Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. The Arizona Proving Grounds, APG, lies spread out in the desert northwest of Phoenix in the USA, a blisteringly hot and dusty area of wilderness where only rattlesnakes and scorpions are truly at home. But for the Volvo Car Corporation, this is a test facility with vital importance for satisfying the hot market. It is huge important for us. Um, Here at the Volvo Arizona Proving Grounds, we can test the vehicles with regard to extreme heat, sun exposure, uh, the Arizona dust. As early as 1985, Volvo built a test track in Arizona as a contrast to the tests in the far north of Sweden in order for their cars to be able to cope with both the biting cold and extreme heat. The choice fell on Arizona as the most sun-secure location and its proximity to the world's consistently hottest place, Death Valley. At the end of last year, six new special tracks were completed beside the main track, as Ford decided to concentrate on the APG for the whole group of companies. At one stroke, Volvo had access to new and extended testing facilities. Some teams are are working strictly on running the vehicles, running early prototypes, uh, finding faults, analyzing, identifying and also reporting back to Sweden for, um, for countermeasures. Another team is working strictly on development work and uh, they then develop new technologies and they uh, evaluate the technologies developed in Sweden, give the feedback in early stage, get an answer back and uh, and we uh, re-evaluate and come back with different uh, solutions. The new Coast Down track is a 3.4 kilometer, three lane, absolutely flat, straight track. Here cars accelerate up to 130 kilometers an hour and are then allowed to coast down to 10 kilometers an hour. These tests are an essential requirement for today's emission and fuel consumption certification. It is also important to gain specific knowledge concerning actual fuel consumption. On the steering and road holding track, the characteristics of the shock absorbers can be tested by driving in and out of bends of varying radii frequently with adverse camber, and where the cars are subjected to great stress. The 200-foot circle is a circular track where the steering characteristics for a constant turn radius at different speeds are evaluated. You better hold on. This is, this is me doing it now. This is no anti-skid system on. And if you put that system into function, See what happened there. Man, and it's, I mean, it's, it's a lot easier to handle the car. This works really good. This is more like in, uh, in an emergency situation, so you don't get any surprises about the handling of the car. This is good to have tested and evaluated out before this happens. So. Outside the prepared tracks, there is an almost impenetrable area for off-road driving. Here, Arizona's infamous dust is a constant attendant. By testing the car out here, that's what we try to do, to um, find the weak spot um, and come up with proper solutions so that we don't have the dust intrusion in the cars. 
just like a torture chamber. Here, different parts are grilled for long periods under the merciless sun. Complete new cars also stand long-term parked in the direct sunlight. Yeah, they will be here for between three and five years. And um, normally after three years we send them back to Sweden so then can, they can do their evaluation and uh, they can show them to the design departments and uh, yeah, to, to show what three years in the, in the desert will do to the car. How, how hot actually is it? Uh, here on the spot and in the, within the in car? the car in the, the air temperature in the car goes up to a little bit over 80 degrees Celsius and uh, on the dashboard the instrument panel uh, you will get over 110 degrees Celsius and the hood you will get and on the roof you will get uh, nearly 100 degrees so it's it's hot and now hey Rocky watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat again nothing up my sleeve Presto! No doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hey, this is Adam Ferrara from Top Gear, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Turn it up! Tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google Tantalk, 1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, don't forget to Google Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Good evening, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm doing fine. How about you, Tommy? Hiding there behind the COVID-19 door? Oh, I'm doing all right, too. Or is it COVID-2020? I'm not sure. You know, we don't know what We might have the upgraded one. We have the upgraded one, yeah. It's uh, COVID. (laughs) All the options. (laughs) All the options. All the options. We're not going to go there because, oh, well, you know. Let's talk about cars. That's what the show was. Now, if you guys paid attention to this little... uh, um, story that we had here that we featured a few minutes ago. They're talking about the proving grounds out in Arizona. Now, you know, I was at the Porsche factory in 1980 and in 19 and then and in 81. And we were out on the Porsche proving grounds at Weissach. <laughs> okay. Now I'm going to spray that off. Okay. <laughs> and I just COVIDed the. Uh, anyway, um, and uh, Weissach, which is the private special. Uh, research center for Porsche, and they don't do just car stuff there. By the way, they do military stuff. They do stuff for they, the Harley Davidson uh, Evo motors developed by Porsche. Uh, the V Rod, um, they do stuff for Ford Motor Company. They do stuff for Nissan, Toyota. They do. St- they, they, there's a whole lot of collaboration going on these days in the world of automobile, and just in 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 the world in general, and in, in whether it's electronics, whether it's pharmaceuticals, whether it's finances, it's just there's all kinds of stuff. You have it's just it's it's really, really hard to keep track. It used to be back in the day you had a brand. You had a Ford. You had a Porsche. You had a Chevrolet. Yeah, you, you know, an apple pie and uh, you know, good the, the all the good stuff made here in America. Well today there's this consolidation going on and there's all this inner whatever going on. But anyway Back to the Proving Grounds. When I was at the Proving Grounds in Porsche, they have a test facility there, and they have for off-road, on-road, and because you're in Europe, you know, the, the driving conditions that are over there, plus they have access to the Autobahn, which has unlimited speed limits. Okay, there is no speed limit, rather, or didn't used to be. It's They're kind of imposing it in some areas right now. And obviously, when you get close to cities and municipalities, you know, they have speed limits. But when you get on the main part of the Autobahn, somewhere between Stuttgart and, you know, northern Germany, uh, Köln or something like that, there are no speed limits. And it's pretty wicked. Uh, I can attest to that because I've been on the Autobahn and I've gone as fast as my little rental car would allow me to go, which has been pretty close to 150, 160 miles an hour or whatever. At any rate, actually, I've gone faster here. But we won't talk about that. <laughs> I don't have any tickets to prove it, but I can tell you I did. Um, I got some great stories, but anyway, any rate, let's so, just say it was, there's a tr- there are racetracks here. So there are race tra- there are racetracks, but but the <laughs> thing about the proving grounds is, it's like a lot of these cars. If you listen, you know, they were testing about heat, they were testing about you know dust intrusion, you know, uh, the wear and tear on the body panels, and this is the one that kills me. This is a, a discussion that uh, we'll have maybe another day when we get a, uh, a manufacturer's representative. But for example, when you're talking about how hot it gets out in the Arizona desert, and I go to Arizona probably once a year, sometimes twice. And I'm in Phoenix and Scottsdale, and that's where the Ford Proving Grounds are. It's uh, just north of there a bit. And 
it gets really, really hot. When he was talking in, in metric terms, Celsius, okay, so if it's 100 degrees Celsius, which is roughly, what you say, was over 200 degrees? 212 Fahrenheit. is Fahrenheit. Is Fahrenheit. boiling Are, point in Celsius, boiling point in Fahrenheit. Right, okay, so that's 200. You could basically throw an egg on that car in a black paint, and it would just probably fry. Because it's boiling point, yeah. It's boiling point, so, exactly. So, solid to liquid. Yeah, so the point is, is that... If you've ever looked at some of these cars that are three and four or five years old, and you know there's a lot of plastic on the vehicles today, and there's a lot of flat-colored plastics, okay? Like your Ford Focus has it, my uh, my truck has it, my mm-hmm. F-250, or whatever it is, um, 550, 6,050,000, something like that. But anyway, so you got a lot of black trim on it, and that it starts turning white. Yeah. It's fading. It's like, it's like the sun bleaches the blackness out of it. Well, if they sit these cars out there for two and three years, well, they should know that after two, three years, it's that's it. Well, keep in mind, and this is like the, goes back to the theory of the light bulb, right, Tommy? The light bulb, okay, which Edison invented way back when, and I'm not sure if Edison was the first guy, or if there was somebody else, but they have a it's it's tungsten steel and whatever else it is, and they actually made a light bulb back before the turn of the century when they invented light bulbs, and I can't remember who it was because my history, well, my mind's not functioning like it used to, but it's still burning, but obviously they can't. In your mind. Oh, the, the mind. Yeah, right. The 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 burning bulb is still in a museum someplace up in I don't know, you know, yeah. someplace in New England, and it still exists. And the reason they can't produce that, you know, mass produce that, is because if they did, they'd never sell another light bulb, right? And mm-hmm. the whole idea is to sell products. Well, and also to 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 recreate that perfect seal, to oh, not yes. have the gases, you know, escape escape is is you know you can't you can't mass. I guess that's what they say. You can't mass produce it and. And be able to do that on a large scale, you know, just because machines, you know, there's Listen, some, some error in it. I know. If we have the technology to buzz somebody up, you know, 93 million miles away up in the outer space, I'm sure we can figure out a way to seal a light bulb. Well, but then LED technology took all that out. Well, that's out true. That's, because, yeah. we, you know, it's got heat. It's still got heat, I'm assuming, unless it's... Well, yeah. yeah and well, all right. So technology but, advances, but, but at any rate, but the point is, is that obviously they don't. The manufacturers in general, they're in a the business to mm-hmm. sell parts, yes. so they're not going to make anything last forever. Right. Okay. Now, I have a funny thing because I'm like, I have a lot of tools. I have things that I bought back in the '70s, and my stuff is just now, in some cases, starting to wear out, and it frustrates me because I've had it for so long. It's been like my best friend and my buddy and my shop, my tools. And then when they go bad, I go, well, wait a minute, this never broke before. Why suddenly? And then somebody always make up the com- bring up the comment, say, well, you know, you've had it since like for how long? You know, ultimately the stuff does wear out, just like your body wears out, your car wears out, your tools wear out, this wears out, that wears out. But there was a little thing that they taught us in school back in the day, and it was a little thing that they implemented back in the late '50s, and it was called planned obsolescence. And that means that things are only supposed to last so long. Now, I, the thing is, is back in those days, you know, things were mechanical, and, you know, they didn't change much. They improved it. You know, like, for example, a ratchet might have had 20 teeth, and it went to 30 teeth, and it went to 80 teeth, tooth, teeth, whatever. A lot of teeth. Okay, so it ratchets real quick. So you got these little fine increments mm-hmm, that you can, mm-hmm. you know, if you only can get in a little tight area. Okay, as an example. Okay, so now we have technology, and we have all this uh, high-tech stuff, and high-tech changes and advances exponentially i mean like as it's it's you can't even keep up with it you know right. so now for someone like it's like computers you yeah. you relate to computers cuz you can understand the theory to me i'm a mechanical kind of guy so if i can't see a gear a part of this or that i'm like whoa uh, how do, how does this work you know it's kind of like when i'm testing for electronics or when i'm testing you know electrical mm-hmm. well the the simplest way to define it or to to analyze it or to uh, compare it to something would be the flow of water. And that a friend of mine pointed out to me one time. He says, you understand how water flows? You know how water goes through valves? You turn a valve on, turn a valve off, and so on. I said, yeah, okay, well, that's what electricity does. So you switches or valves. So I had to understand all this. That the problem is, is that when you're trying to, like we were trying to figure out the little electrical problem we had with a, a vehicle that we're working on, it has um, limit switches and it has safety shutoffs and safety switches. And if these things aren't all properly working and the connections are clean, uh, it can cause the whole vehicle to malfunction. And here you are, you're chasing stuff. You know, you got to get it. Now, someone like Alan, if Alan's listening, he'll probably call in because he's pretty good at that kind of stuff. I mean, the carburetor gig, I can figure that out. That's no big deal. The fuel injection, nah, maybe the basics, the mechanical side of it, I understand. But now all this other high tech stuff, it's extremely frustrating. Mm-hmm. And this is, and we are advancing. And pretty soon, oh, uh, guys like me are just going to become old dinosaurs and. 
I don't know. Uh, all right, so change the subject now. Um, I was just talking to a friend of mine today because I had to bring a car to a car in town today. It was a 1970 Cyclone GT. So I got an education on it today. And, of course, you know me. I know cars. But I forgot a lot of stuff, too, over the years because I have to know more than one type of car. I mean, this first thing this morning at 7.30, I was looking at a 1958 Morgan with a Triumph motor in it and a pair of SUs on it. And then... In the end, turn the idle up on the... Brain speed there. Yeah, yet, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And then, and then I was looking at an MGTD, then up to an MGB, and then next thing I know, I'm towing a uh, a 1970 429 Cobra Jet. Um, uh, you got a question, Tommy? There's a question from the audience. A question from the audience. Yes, oh, sir. Yes. Over there. Okay. Cyclone. Is that a Ford Cyclone? It's a Mercury, Mercury Cyclone. Yes. Mercury. So they made a cyclone, a cyclone spoiler. I was asking for a friend. Okay, that's why I say that a lot now. <laughs> okay, okay. Asking for a friend. <laughs> oh, you can text us. But anyway. <laughs> so anyway, so I, I, I remembered, you know, the, when I think when they first came out with the cyclone spoiler was a 69 because the cyclone was the, you know, the Mark Donahue thing and the Kelly Arborough thing. And they, you know, commemorate NASCAR. Ford had the Talladega. Mercury had the cyclone. And I've always been kind of partial to Cougars and, Mus- and uh, Mercury, so I kind of like Mercury's a lot, and Lincoln's, and uh, even though I've had them both. But nonetheless, so this is a this particular car is a Cyclone GT, which was like their deluxe model, like a Torino. And then you have the Cobra, which was the Fairlane Cobra, which Alan educated me. You know, I always call it the Torino Cobra, but in 70, 71, it was a Torino Cobra. In 69, it was a Fairlane Cobra. Now, I have to appraise one this weekend, a 1969 Fairlane 428 Cobra Jet Factory bucket seat four-speed car. I'm looking forward to this. Pretty cool car. The guys had this car for a long time. It's got a lot of pedigree to it. Got the Marty Report. Very, very good car. Clean piece. Um, so anyway, so my friend John calls me up because I told him about the car. He's interested in the car. And he asked me, Robert, is it a Cyclone GT? Is it a Cyclone Spoiler? Is it a Spoiler 2? And I go, well, I kind of remember the difference because there's some graphics and stuff like that. But... So the Cyclone GT is a top-of-the-line model. Cyclone Spoiler is a little bit more of a... And they all had the same motors and trannies. You could have had a 351 Cleveland in them, or you could have had a 428 Cobra Jet, both automatic four-speeds, drag-pack cars, non-drag-pack park, drag-pack cars, on and on and on and on. So at any rate, um, he was giving me a little quick lesson on that. So to, to sum it up, it's a Cyclone GT. So that's the top-of-the-line model with the extra trim and you know some fancy goodies on it, whereas the Spoiler is you know less trim, just the graphics, but it still has a front spoiler, rear spoiler, and looks pretty much the same. But you got to know the differences. And does it affect the value? Absolutely, because it all gets down to production numbers. You know, if they made 10,000 cars, or they made 3,000 cars, or they made 5,000 cars, or they made 1,000 cars. For example, Boss 351s, they made 1,800 cars, 429 Cobra Jets, and 71, I think they made somewhere around 1,800 also, or 1,200 or 1,300. So, you know, it adds value. Boss 429s, they made 1,000... I think it's 70 or 69 and 500 and some odd and 70, something like that. I can't remember, but somewhere along, along the lines of those numbers. Boss 302s, I think they made 10,000 of them, 11,000 of them. 428 Cobra Jets, I think they made 68,000 of them and 69, 70. I think they made less. Then there was Q codes and R codes and on, on, and on. Anyway, uh, then John proceeded to tell me how many cars he boned out because he's from New York. So these cars would rust out real bad. So he's... Boning out, partying out Shelby's, Mach 1's, Bosses. Well, actually, he didn't, boss, he didn't bone out a boss, but Cobra Jets and other cars, Torinos and so So I think this that, that prompted me to think about, okay, well, that would be a really cool story. i got to get a couple guys on, like myself. We're all guilty of this back in the 70s and 80s. I mean, when I look back at some of the cars that I boned out, but I've got friends of mine from Michigan that boned out some pretty serious stuff, and John's obviously from New York. Stuff rusted pretty bad up there. There wasn't much left of the body, so you, the only thing you had was the engine parts. And uh, so some good cars that are just uh, went to the muscle car heaven, I guess you could say. But anyway, we're going to do a feature on it. That's interesting mm-hmm. for you. Well, also, Kissimmee is coming up here. I think Meekum's going to do a deal. You were watching something online. Tell yes, us about that real I, quick. I don't know. Well, no, it was actually on uh, their normal NBC Sports Network. And uh-huh. um, uh, I wasn't sure. I don't know what city it was. Just, just flipped through the channels. Could have been Indy. Probably Indy. Um, they, uh, yeah, so did their first uh, live so distance auction or uh, yeah, live, so social live social distance auction. So every, so, actually, we was actually there wearing so masks. So it was it? it was a live auction. They had their little Meekum, you know, because they're marketing wizards over there. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had their little Meekum mask on. Uh, <laughs> there was you didn't have the the typical crowd on the on the uh, on the uh, off the off the block where they come into the into the arena. Um, you had tables all the way up to the front where the where the bidders sit instead of just just lines of chairs. Each each um, each you know. You know each party had their own uh, 
uh, set of chairs and another, you know, look more than six feet, uh, then, a whole, you know, another table for somebody else and then whatever. So then they, they sit there, they have their mask, and that's, that's uh, yeah, he still had to throw, but overall, I was impressed. It, it, it had the feel of, um, the regular auction. Yeah, just the same old, same old, just, just, you know, I kind of like it having a less, less of a, you know, crowd in certain areas there. It's nice. and. Well, this is what we're going to do. Um, John, uh, um, Dave Morton is the PR guy for Meekum. He's a friend of mine. And obviously, we always have John um, Kramer on, mm-hmm. who's uh, like the spokesperson or their, you know, their, their mm-hmm. color guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... Color commentator. Commentator, exactly. And so uh, he's on. So what we're going to do is since that auction, I think it's coming up in Kissimmee next month, if it's on schedule, we need to get those guys on the show and tell us a little bit how the whole thing go works and how the procedure. Now that they've mm-hmm. done one or two, and they can kind of give us a feel for it. So those of you guys that are thinking about going to Kissimmee and have the urge to go buy some classic cars, and you'll know, yeah, we'll, you'll know what what to expect when you get there. Right, we'll tell you. We'll get we'll get all the facts. Yeah, yeah, it'll be right here on Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Yes, now, Tommy, well, here's what we're gonna do. Since we went a little bit, I ended up jawjacking too much. So skip the usual stuff that we're gonna do. We're just gonna go to the second song, the second clip. Call our guest, but go ahead and roll the one commercial. Yeah, play some commercials. Yeah, we're gonna play that. We got because we have to feed ourselves or no, feed the show. No. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll that too. We have to. So, <laughs> and, and then you can find out all about flacarshows.com because, because I'm sure you can find. Because that's all. We, Thirty seconds, and you know all about it. Because there's nothing else going on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, let's do the Robbie Robinson one. And uh, this is uh, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and this is live radio. Yeah. And and live radio is kind of like spontaneous. Yep. And so we have to do our 720 cleaning of the... Uh, 727 cleaning of the... Whoa! Uh, oh, 727. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars here. Uh, Tommy is going to... Uh, he's going to play a commercial or two first. Then he's going to play a song. Is that how we're going to do that? Can we do that? Let's do the commercials first. Roll the commercials. And then play the song, uh, do and the, then clip, the clip. Oh, look at and, that! And, we and then we'll, we'll then we'll bring our behind guests the on. scenes behind the, the scenes here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. <laughs> All right, yeah, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. Hey, you're tuning in Nostalgic. Radio Come and Cars. enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery, known as Florida's oldest microbrewery. They are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than flacarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com. that dares to deal with a serious contemporary problem which every man, woman, and child must come to grips with. 
at least once in their lifetime. Don't make them like us anymore. Why don't you go ahead and sit inside? Go ahead. This new upholstery, only 27,000 miles, and we just gave the engine a complete overhaul yesterday. Go ahead, kick her over. Isn't that the quietest engine you've ever heard in your life? Used cars. Rolling off the blocks this summer into a theater near you. Hey, Stan, trust me, huh? <laughs> Happy motoring, Stan. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Hey, come on, trust me. Hi, I'm Bob Bondra. I won the World Manufacturers Championship in the Ford Cobras in 1965. And you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back in the tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman uh, comes to us all the way from... The sunny land of uh, the deserts in Arizona, near Scottsdale and Phoenix. I'm delighted to welcome the show this evening. The uh, editor for Car Classic Cars Online, the journal, um, Bob Golfin. Bob, how you doing, buddy? Hi, Robert. How are you doing? It's, it's ClassicCars.com journal. Oh, journal. Okay. Thank yeah. you for... <laughs> That's okay. We, yeah, the website is ClassicCars.com, which is basically a, a classified website selling 10 zillion cars. We have like you know, like 4,000 Chevys at any given time, 1,000 Porsches. It's, it's wild, but we're the, uh, we're the editorial faction of the website. Okay. The is, is Tom Schaller, is he involved with Classic Cars? Yeah, Tom Stoller is with us. He is, uh, he's down a managing editor. He's just started recently, oh. a couple of months ago. Um, and Larry Etzel is the other main writer, main editor and writer, as well as me. Okay. Well, give us a little background on yourself, because I know you have an interesting uh, um, storyline, because you were with the Arizona Republic, which is the, the big paper there in Phoenix, and then uh, Speed, right? Yeah, I was with, with uh, Speed uh, after it was the Speed Channel, and with Speed with, with uh, Fox. Uh, I worked with them for, for five years until they, till they changed, till they disappeared the speed channel and turned into another sports channel unfortunately bad decision in my in my opinion but I'm not a money man <laughs> uh, you know you know these guys they find that they can make a lot more money with a sports channel than they're gonna then they're gonna dump the automotive channel that's how it is well now give us but your... I, Give us your take on that, you know, because we hear about that all the time. I mean, you hear, I mean, you know, what what baffles us car guys, and you're a serious car guy as well, is, you know, every time you talk about, you know, racing and getting it on TV, whether it's vintage motorsports, whether it's road racing, they always say there's not enough interest in it, there's not enough, and we can't get sponsorship money. How much truth is there yeah. to that? Or do you oh, think, or do you know, think it's lack of, do you think it's lack of marketing? I, it's hard to say. I really don't know. We've we've seen a fade in interest in NASCAR, but you but you still have a contingent of hardcore fans for NASCAR and for Formula One and for IndyCar. You know all you know all the big racing events, and I wish they would they would bring a Trophy Rally Cup racing here, which I really like. But that's that's pretty much a European thing. But uh, you know, it just it doesn't compare with with the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball. It doesn't, you know, that's what they look at. They go, well, it's not it's not uh, NFL, so there's just not enough interest in it, which is you know, which is bull. <laughs> you know, I mean, really. Well, that, you know? somebody somebody said to me one time, well. To own a car, to race a car is expensive. And then yeah. I, my comment to them was, I said, okay, well, not everybody else can be a professional. Not everybody can be a professional football player, baseball player, tennis player, or whatnot. So you can throw that theory right out the door. You know, you either yeah. have an interest in it or you don't. And I think motorsports, which is the number one uh, 
uh, spectator sport in Europe, for example, Formula One, sp- mm-hmm. particularly. Yeah. You know, I think it's equally as uh, popular here in the United States. I just don't think it's marketing. I don't think they reach the. I don't think they really reach the audience. I agree. I, the, here in Phoenix, they took the uh, uh, Phoenix International Raceway, which is now has a different name that I can't remember. Uh, but they they took that and they rebuilt the whole the whole place. It's a it's a one mile, um, not exactly an oval track. But it has a has a kink in it. Uh, but they redid the grandstands. They redid the whole place, and it costs it cost hundreds of billions of dollars. So. And they fill it. Well, they did before the coronavirus, obviously. But they, uh, but they would they would fill the place. And who are these people? Are they not, you know, are they not viable fans? You know, we have IndyCar racing, and we have uh, NASCAR racing at at, uh, at the racetrack. Plus, they rent the track out, you know, for track days. And there's a zillion track days that happen. And all this, you know, all this stuff shows the interest in motorsports. Look at the. Look at the young people coming up with the, you know, with the, the you know, sport compacts and drifting and all that stuff. That's, you know, that's the new world. That's, uh, you know, that's that's us, thirty, forty years ago. You know, it's a, it's the same thing. And these are this is a lot of enthusiasm, and these young people should be appreciated for what they are too. You know. Absolutely. Now, um, I got a text here from a customer, uh, from a listener, and it said something. It said, "What's interesting is that sports channels play a lot of car-related shows now, if you've noticed, yeah. and that's true. And so, and just like you mentioned, the tuner crowd, the drifting crowd, um, the cars are marketed. You know, the cars are marketed like that. For example, the Ford S, the Ford Focus, has a drifting some sort of little mechanism in it where it's kind of like set up to do that. And some of the other tuner cars have that as well. You know, the, the Subaru WRX." And uh, so, yeah, it's huge. And and just like you said, you know, 30, 40 years ago, we were probably road race guys, drag race guys, street racers, uh, you know. And today, the, it's it's the, the enthusiasm there. But the generation, the generational shift has kind of evolved into the to to the to the to the drifting, for example, or to um, so the the tuner sport. And there's nothing wrong with that. And 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 I think again, in my opinion, it's it's marketing. And I think the other problem is is the guys that are in these CEO positions, these executives, aren't necessarily car guys. Now, no, no that's that's a big problem. Is they just don't get it. No, they yeah, might they might drive a BMW or a Porsche, but they're a yeah. status person. They're not an enthusiast. It's different. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this. What about uh, Map TV? Now, Map TV is kind of very much automotive oriented, and it's it's owned and operated by uh, the Lucas Oil people. What's your thoughts on on Map TV? You know, I haven't really experienced it that much. I know about it, but I haven't really uh, watched it. Uh, it's it's a good development. I mean, any way you look at it, the more the more we the more uh, exposure racing gets, the better. And uh, that's, you know, what are you going to say? It's, it's, it's a good thing, for sure. And Motor Trend, which used to be, which is Motor Trend TV now, what, used to be Velocity? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, and, and yeah, Motor Trend TV is, is doing a decent job. One of the one of the things that happened with Speed is that they started having these uh, kind of canned reality show type mm-hmm. things. And I... You know, what I would say to them is we need to just go out and cover events. If we had gone out, you know, all you need is like three people. You have, a, you have a sound guy, you got a camera guy, and you have a stand-up guy, and you go to all these different events. You go to you go to the Woodward Dream Cruise, you go to Pebble Beach, you go to you know, just all these little shows. You can, do, you can do them once a week, just all these different things, and just be there and have a show about it. And you know what could be simpler, and I think people would have eaten that up. Well, there were a few you know, people that made that attempt, and and uh, but it's not proliferated. And every time you talk to the producer, they always say, "Well, you know, we uh, we we did, we ran out of sponsorship money." And I guess you know, but today with the technology that we have access to, you're absolutely right. You don't need a huge, expensive crew to travel around. You just need a couple few pieces of pocket equipment, and you can do it, and some talent. Absolutely, absolutely. The uh, the the uh, the equipment is there now. It's so it's so easy to do. 
you know, you and I could go out and do it, really. Well, the next time we next time we're out in Arizona or Monterey, we might have to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> For sure. Let me. Yeah, I'm so I'm so disappointed that Monterey's gone. That's that, that's always like a highlight of my life. Oh yeah, it's Monterey and the and the Porsche Works reunion. Yeah, we go there. Uh, Larry Etzel, my partner, and we would go to uh, my my writing partner, not my life partner. No, no, <laughs> I understand. Yeah, uh, we would we go there and spend a week there. We get there on Sunday, and then we we go to kind of everything. We divvy it up. Uh, you know, year by year, works for you, Porsche works for me. I love, uh, of course, uh, uh, Concorso Italiano is mm-hmm. fabulous. And all those events, all and one of my favorites is always the the uh, the what's it what they call Concord on the Avenue in in Carmel. Is that what it's called? I forget. Yeah, that that's was, it. Concord's on the Ave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was you know that started that kind of started off the week on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and that was just great. It was like mostly just local folks and just people coming in and just just being part of the scene and. Really, really crowded, and the and the uh, the Pebble Beach tour with all the cars. You know, almost every car that's in the in the uh, Concord driving around the peninsula, and you'd see them go by, or you'd go and see them at in Carmel, or they'd stop for lunch. You know, a free show for everybody to see these cars that are just insanely great. Uh, just you know, everything from from rare rare Ferraris to to old, you know, pre World War One vehicles being being putted around, and it's yeah, that that's just such a great thing. I'm 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 getting sad thinking about it not, not existing this year. Of course, the Pebble Beach Concord itself is just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Well, I, I've got to tell you that I mean, and I know you've traveled around a little bit too, and um, Monterey is just probably the most unique. An outstanding collective car experience in the United States for the whole year. Yeah. There's nothing like it because it has everything: racing, concourse, just like you said. You talk about the concourse on the Ave, which yeah. is an open concourse event where they got some amazing cars and people, just like you and I, the average guy. You've got the Tour de Elegance, which is a tour on Thursday where they stop downtown on Ocean Avenue and yeah. those are all the concourse call it's just it's uh yeah it, it, it broke my heart and then when I found out that that the Rolex uh, reunion that they oh, yeah. fell apart too it's like okay so the only yeah, one that no, was left no was vintage racing this year yeah yeah all right let's let's talk about this um so tell us about some of the recent articles that you've uh, um written um, within the the journal, um, yeah. some of the new stuff that's coming up now. I, I I guess the big thing right now is the Ford Bronco, right? Yeah, you know the Bronco <laughs> Bronco kind of sucked all the air out of the room. <laughs> you know, <had> a bunch <laughs> of <laughs> yeah, it did had a bunch of Bronco stories. I just matter of fact, I just wrote about Barrett Jackson's recent online auction. Uh-huh. Uh And they got for a custom Bronco, it was a SEMA build, so it was really pretty spectacular. But they got 100 and, what was it, 195, let me just look it up real quick. I think $195,000 for a, for a custom Bronco, which is like, e gads, which is far and away the most money, yeah, 195000 which is far and away the most money ever for any kind of Bronco. And uh, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's part of the recent scene or just because it was such a great vehicle. But Broncos, if you if you look, Broncos are just everywhere. We've got them all over our our website, and, and they're getting forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars for for Broncos that that five years ago were going for twenty 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 five. So the, the Bronco frenzy is really is really strong, and I like that new Bronco. At least what I've seen of it, I haven't seen it in person. Seeing a vehicle in person is a lot different than seeing it in pictures. But from what I see, it's it's a little cartoonish as they tend to be these days. But it's it's sharp. It's very cool, and it's got a lot of great equipment. And you can set it up in a lot of different ways for whatever you want to do. Um, 
Arizona four wheeling is, is great. Going out in the desert, there's just there's just everything. Plus, there's no mud, which I hate. Huh. You know, there's no mud in the desert, or at least rarely is there mud in the desert. And uh, it, it it's really whenever I would get a, you know, I do do a road test on cars. Whenever I get anything interesting to take out, it was always a nice nice day trip. Going out in some crazy, unlikely road. Uh, they're, they're they're all over the place. All all kinds of interesting trails for jeeps or Broncos. You know, Broncos. The old Broncos, and they came out, and I was you know I was a kid, and they they came out, and I loved the Broncos. I just thought they were the coolest damn thing. I never never did get one. I um, I was sad when they made him in the giant vehicles and then they, they came back with a Bronco too and that was sort of like back to the original the the Bronco had like but like all the vehicles of that type it had a, a bad reputation for, for flipping and stuff like that but that's you know that's kind of like the nature of the beast that's how that's what you get with uh, with Jeeps with CJs and with uh, uh, Toyota Land Cruisers all those all those things are, are tall, short wheelbase. Uh, they're going to be they're going to be squirrely, and you have to have some respect for that. But if you do, there, the Bronco is a really is a really fun vehicle for sure. But all this craziness, you know, the pricing is the pricing is out of line right now, and everybody's. I know that one of my neighbors has one sitting in his in his carport that has been sitting there for about 10 years uh-huh. doing nothing all covered in dirt and I keep looking at it going you know <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you would like to get rid of that thing well there, there's your opportunity yeah it is indeed oh, I, how many yeah. um, you, you mentioned that uh, you get um, cars like test vehicles how often, yeah. how often do you, how does that work? Do you kind of like get to pick and choose? Do you have to contact a, a local dealership or do you have to go through the manufacturer's um, PR firm? Uh, we go through the manufacturers and what there is, is there's, there's companies that, that transport them. We, we work with page one and what's the other company's name? I forget. And they're going to kill me for forgetting. Um, but they, but these companies, they each have manufacturers that they work with. So you, there would be, there are cars that come and go that that are just there that they that the manufacturers put out to circulate, and often that's that's kind of what you get. Phoenix, Phoenix is a really good car market, but it's not a huge journalism car car writer market. So we we don't get. We don't get as much or as timely as they might in in LA or Chicago or someplace like that, where there, uh, you know, where there's much more people who are who are working on this stuff. Or in Detroit, uh, but you know, you get it. Basically, you get a vehicle handed to you for a week. And they say, you know, all that they want, they want you to drive it, they want you to use it, and then they want you to write a review of it. And most city, I mean, most vehicles these days are good. It's very rare that you get anything that's 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 not what it's expected to be, and even then, it's it's kind of like nitpicking stuff. Oh, I don't like the way they did the dashboard, or you know, or it's a little slow off the line, or you know, some, just nitpicking things. And so it's a little. It's not like when I was reviewing cars back in the '90s when there was some genuinely. Stuff. Can, I say that? Can I say that on the radio, or is that a bit? Uh, you said it's too yeah. late now, but you're really not supposed all to. But right. that's okay. <laughs> we all raised our we're eyebrows. Among, that's okay. We're, we're among friends. We're among friends. But there are, yeah. Yeah. There's only it's, four million people in town. Right? <laughs> it's live radio. It's fun. Yeah, but the uh, you know, but there was you know, there was bad stuff. Um, I hate to say it, but there's a lot of the domestic cars were. were were really crummy and and uh, oh, Korean cars were just were just hitting the ground, and they were you know the the Elantra stuff like that. They were just they were just bad news. 
Don't forget the Daewoo. Don't forget the Daewoo. Daewoo. <laughs> Daewoo. I had a friend who had a Daewoo. Daewoo. A Daewoo. Who had the, the Lanos? Is that Daewoo or is that Daihatsu? I forget. I can't remember. All those different names. Between it's Hyundai and, and Daewoo and some of those other manufacturers back then. I mean, they used yeah. to. I'm used to. You say Hyundai or Daewoo, I think forklift. You know, they actually yeah, made a car. I think a giant. Giant container ships. You always see Hyundai written on them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That too. <laughs> that's one of the. I mean, that's one of the biggest, biggest companies in the world. They're in the everything. But uh, but you look at. I mean, you look at how far they come. Look at look at Hyundai and and what they're building now. Kia. They're making some great cars. Kia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're making some. That's that's what I mean. You get these cars and they're and they're great, and you go, okay, this is great. This is nice. And, uh, I mean, there's the classic great cars from BMW and Mercedes and, you know, Jaguar and stuff like that that are, that are you know, that are above the, above the fold in any way you look at it. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, but still, it, it's, it's, for me, it's hard to review cars anymore just because they are so good. You know, how many, how many, uh, you know, uh, Superlatives can you can you work into into one review you know so so when they when they when they do that and let's just say a lot of the midline car mid range cars are are pretty even these days okay yeah, so yeah. like you said I mean it's it's hard to critique them because you got it's almost like you have to get nitpicky when I used to write for um, sports car market I was an auction analysis reporter yeah, it, yeah I would I would get really really irritated. Um, and and don't get me wrong, I love the guys at Sports Car Market. I think they do a great job. Okay, but I used to get yeah. really irritated because they'd sit there and say, "Well, you know, how much checking is the paint? How much crazing in there?" I mean, yeah. it's like really, guys. I mean, there's more yeah. important things to look for than checking and crazing and spider cracks and taillight lenses. Come on. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, I remember one time I was I was a guest judge at a, a Jaguar local Jaguar. Uh, Club of the North America event, and, uh, and I was a guest judge, and I couldn't believe the stuff that they were that they were worried about. Oh, look, there's a you can almost see a hairline crack here in the in the vent window, and you go, what? Yeah, <laughs> all these cars look better than they did when they came out of the factory. I mean, what more do you want? And I and I had wrote a story about it where I I kind of mocked the whole thing of, of Concord judging. Oh, and uh, yeah, that was the last time they asked me back. I'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of concours, I'll tell you an event that I really truly enjoyed, and now I miss. I really and truly enjoyed the Arizona concourse. They did that at the Bellevue um, Boat That was spectacular. It was so. Yeah, I was the, I was the uh, media guy for that. Mm-hmm. I was part of the. I was part of the committee that put it on. And God, it was it was great. It was a it was a mind bending amount of work doing it. But uh, I mean, we that first year, which was what twenty fourteen, that first year we started, we met for the first time like in August, and most of us didn't even know each other. And we met in August, came together as a committee, and we put on a really kick ass concourse in January. That was just those couple of months of creating the entire thing from from a blank page, and that was that was really great. It was really a great feeling to do that. I remember the day it was there at the at the beautiful Biltmore, and uh, I had such a such a tingly feeling looking around the the field, going, "Good Lord, look what we did!" Well. And, uh, you got. You really need to pat yourself on the back because it was a very, very intimate, you know, reserved event with some spectacular cars. I mean, I was talking to Kevin about yeah. it. Kevin says we, if this keeps going, we have enough really outstanding, impressive, unbelievable cars that we don't even that we just in in Arizona alone we could keep this going for the next five years, and you'd see oh, a different for car. Sure. For sure, we had great collectors here, and also people from Southern California and from Denver, and you know, from all over the place that were coming. And we had a lot of cars coming in from the East Coast. 
in the last couple of years. We had our last year, we had a Bugatti class that was second to none. It was unbelievable. And our, our best of show was the Bugatti Atlantic mm. from the, uh, from the Mullen museum. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, you know? And, you know, <laughs> we, had, we had such sensational cars. You'd walk around and go, what the hell? How did this even happen? And it was such a beautiful venue. There was nothing like it. It kind of like the concept. We were trying to do something like Villa di Este in, in Italy, mm-hmm. where there also was a, a small, small venue. But you know that ended up being a problem because we couldn't get the big sponsors because they want they want a lot of folks. We would only we only get we would get I think three thousand people. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, walking around. It was limited I mean, to three thousand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was yeah, and that was it. And they said, "Well, we're not going to go through all this just for three thousand people." And I was kind of like, "Man, don't you get it? This is, you know, this is a world class concourse that get that's getting international attention. We we were getting media from all over the world who were coming there to to uh, to see it and to write about it." And whether we only have three thousand people, you get you get attention from around the world from the from the writing. And what it really came down to is we wanted to have a name sponsor. We wanted we wanted a, somebody who would come in and commit to you know a certain number of years, and not even a lot of money, just just enough to keep us solvent. But. Um, that never happened, and really, it got to be a scramble for money every year at the, toward the end. That's sad. Yeah, unfortunately, we had enough enough rich folk here in, in Arizona who were able to to help us out, who were who were involved in the in the event. But man, I know it was it was it was something. It was pretty spectacular, and I was really proud to be part of it. Well, Bob, we're up against the clock, so I want to thank you very much for coming on the show here. One more time, give out the information for the uh, Classic Cars online. Uh, it's, cl- it's ClassicCars.com. ClassicCars.com. I'm sorry. Why do I keep saying ClassicCars.com? And I, I actually wrote it down. Look at that. I actually wrote it down. I still can't uh, read. Well, you have to read your writing. Yeah. If well, your handwriting is anything like mine, it, it wouldn't help anyway. That's exactly right. That's the problem. I'm glad you yeah. said ClassicCars.com. I did it right that time, right? Yeah, the journal? That's right. Okay. And we're the journal. And if you, if you go to ClassicCars.com, you will find a vast marketplace of, uh, of cars for sale. Anything you want, we have it. I mean, honest to God. And uh, and the journal, if you click on the journal, you will find, you know, we take a journalistic approach where Larry and I are both are both old school guys who, are, who have had newspaper experience. Of course, Larry was an Auto Week editor for many years. I was the automotive writer for the Arizona Republic. And so we are... You know, we, we're not a blog. We're a real, you know, we're the real thing as well, far as our writing and our approaches go. Super. All right, Bob, we're up, really, we're up against the clock. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Stay in touch. Hopefully I'll get to see you at one of the car shows. In the meantime, you take care, all right? Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, in the meantime, Mom and listeners, thank you for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night here on the Tantalk Radio Network. Between 7 and 8 p.m. for the most fascinating, legendary, legendary name in motorsports. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WDCF, Dade City. FM 102.3. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen.